few years ago, I had to go in for a minor surgical procedure that required anesthesia. I had never been put under before, and I was understandably nervous. Now, the nurses were doing an excellent job of keeping conversation light and helping to distract me, and things were now getting ready to roll, which is where, as many of you know, the anesthesiologist now comes in. And she was a nice woman, mostly all business, as I assume many of them are, or I hope they are. She said very little, got straight to her work. And when she asked if I had any concerns or questions just before she was going to administer the drugs, I expressed that I was a bit nervous, that I'd never been through this before. Now she attempted to quell some of this concern as the lovely nurses had by asking me some more innocuous questions, one of which, so what do you do for work? Now, many ministers will tell you that this question can often feel like a touchy or tough one. It often comes at not the best of moments for some reason. You see, one can never gauge with any real accuracy what the response is going to be here. And then there's the Athenian task of trying to explain what Unitarian Universalism is, which I'm sure most of most of you can relate to, right? Sometimes on the move or over the din of dinner party noise. So here I am lying on a hospital bed with a gauze cap on my head, right? So what do you do for work? Me. Um, I'm in seminary right now. I'm on the ordination path towards Unitarian Universalist ministry, question mark. Do you know what that is? She's now sitting by the bed and is literally halfway loading the drugs into the tube thing. She scrunches up her face, looks up at the ceiling and goes, oh yeah, I know what that is. That's that church that believes whatever they want to believe, right? Okay, take a deep breath, Sophia. You're gonna take a nice little nap. And as the room went black, I remember thinking, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not the first time I've heard this one. You believe whatever you want, right? It's an easy default. It's an easy default in the face of not being bound to any one creed or doctrine. Of being free to believe in a myriad of religious expressions and encouraged to develop our own personal theologies in and out of them. A free faith is radical, isn't it? And radical ideas can often be reduced to easy defaults. So I get it. This gets even more complicated, as you know. Because with this technicolor free promise and practice, we must also 
embrace the myriad ways in which we all express and enact it, right? And they often conflict terribly. What brings one person alive can simultaneously make another feel small. This isn't just contained to theologies. It happens in justice work as well. Another's experience in our world can often challenge our own. Anti-racism work is just one example of how difficult, how painful this can be. And our faith calls us to this work, calls us to the difficulty, calls us towards radical tolerance and love because we believe in the principles that bind us to its center. And this center can hold all of this. This is what I wished I could have said to that anesthesiologist, by the way. Never can think of it in real time or when you're about to go under, so. In the fall 2019 UU World Issue, our UUA president, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, wrote a piece called The Cup is What Holds the Light. And in this piece, she reflected on our most recent General Assembly in Spokane, whose theme of the power of we I went to this General Assembly, it was my first, it was unbelievable. It was most stunningly imagined, this idea of the power of we. At the final service of the week, the culminating moment where we sang, we shall be known. It goes, it is time now, it is time to be alive in this great turning we shall learn to lead in love in this great turning we shall learn to live in love and we sang this as every marginalized person in the room in attendance made their way up to this massive stage there were hundreds of people up there arm in arm tears streaming down their faces as we sang this song as if to say, we see you, we love you, just as you are. And they sang it right back to us. Reverend Susan Frederick Gray tells a story in the same article about the brokenness we all carry, the way in which we are all grappling with building a center that can indeed hold. And this is difficult work. The potential for great and imperfect beauty is born up out of it. She says that what we are signing up to do as you use is no easy task. No easy task. To follow the liberating and inclusive principles and spirit of our tradition, to build up community with a marginless center, a cup to nurture a love that acts as a force for justice within our lives, within our congregations, 
and our movement as a whole. She goes on to say that it is this transformative love, 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 that makes the future for Unitarian Universalism irresistible. And who among us doesn't want a bit of this? A little bit of transformative love, yes, it is irresistible. I see you, I love you, just as you are. No matter what God you believe in or what God you don't, no matter who you love, how you identify, what you are called to be in this world, as long as it is rooted in love, I love you. And I'm learning to love those who aren't rooted in love either. You've most likely heard of our new small group ministry offering, which we are calling by a new name, Chalice Circles. Chalice Circles. And while the essence of these circles will be the same as they have been before, we will still come together for a series of gatherings, nine or 10 folk, that allow for deep sharing and the exploration of a meaningful topic. We are adding a component to the circle that holds to this spiritual practice that I am talking about, spiritual practice, my friends, of transformative, radical love, deep listening, deep listening. So let me share about what this is. We will covenant together to hold a space that each of us can share deeply in, while those listening will practice being fully present to the person sharing. To gently and lovingly put ourselves aside just for a moment our judgments, thoughts, opinions, impending responses, right? And simply open up the space in our hearts and minds so as to wholly encounter another person. This is bearing witness. We will practice opening ourselves, ventilating ourselves so that we might offer this radical witness. And we will practice that here. Practice, not perfect, practice. We are so smart. We're so, there's such wisdom in this congregation. There's so many gifts that each of us has to offer this beautiful broken world. This is a beautiful thing and a needed thing but we must also learn how to share space and to practice this intentionally here. Our faith calls us to this. One of the great gifts we can give the world is our cracked open, listening hearts, even when it is hard, especially when it is hard 
And we must practice this. Listen, it's one thing to encounter someone in this world who is begging for our help and are ever grateful for anything we are willing to give. It's another thing to encounter someone whose political leanings, theological leanings, vision for how we understand racism, patriarchal systems, immigration, and on and on and on. It is hard to be in the face of that when it radically challenges what we hold dear. It can drudge up physical anxiety, a geyser of frustration, defensiveness, a knee-jerk need, do you have this one, to convince, argue, bend another's mind? Yes? Transformative love, radical love, the vision of a shared world that takes the cookies, a free faith. My friends, it is not a kind coupon we choose to impart like crumbs to those who we deem deserving. I would venture to say that it's those who most challenge us that need our love the most, and we need to be practiced in giving it. This is what we believe. And so we gather together here, in this center that can hold it all, and we get to work on this. And one way to do this is in chalice circles, which is an apt name, and let me tell you why. We light this chalice here for worship, right? We light this chalice for board meetings, staff meetings, maybe even some of your committee meetings. Maybe you even do it as a personal spiritual practice at home. Why? Because this flame is a beacon to guide us and remind us of what we are here for, a light in the dark, a symbol of the worth and dignity of every, every human being, every living thing in this beautiful shared world, one of God, of spirit, of love. But this isn't the only symbol here. It's a combination of two symbols. We have a flame, and we have the chalice. The chalice, a cup that holds the light. The cup is a symbol of care and sustenance, something to quench our thirst and nourish us. It is this religious community. It's the center. It's us. We are the cup, the chalice. We tend the flame. As Reverend Susan Frederick Gray says, the cup is what holds the light. So promising to love one another, to see one another, to hear one another, even when it's hard, this is what kindles the flame. And listen, hear this. The cup is also what can break, my dear ones. There's a fragility to it. 
Reverend Susan so beautifully tells us that it's easy to hold up a light and declare that everyone is welcome. It is harder to build a place where everyone is truly at home. That needs to be fragile work, careful work, and it's sustaining and fortifying too. The words of poet Naomi Shihab Nye in her beautiful piece, Gate A4, come to mind right now. This is the world I want to live in, the shared world. This is the church I want to live in, the one that says there's room for all of this. There's room for everyone, and we are doing our best. We are practicing, not perfecting. And this church, this cup that holds the light, us, God, the source, the ground beneath us, this center can indeed hold, I believe this, with all that I am. And it takes work. I hope you'll sign up for a chalice circle. I hope you find ways to come to this place just as you are and practice the sacred transformative gift of deep listening. I hope you can gather around our cup of light and say, I see you. I hope you will also ask us to see you. Let's listen to Naomi Shihab Nye's words again. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and thought, this is the world I want to live in. This is the shared world. Not a single person in that gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. And this can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost, my beloveds. May it be so. May it be so.